What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and today we're going to talk about five players skyrocketing up rest of season rankings on Underdog's new Best Ball Resurrection Tournament, where we love their season-long best ball tournaments in the offseason, and now they have one that goes from week six on, so you can kind of get a second chance at fantasy football. It's $10 to enter, $100,000 to first place, $500,000 in total prizes, and the interesting part is, is that there's money on the line, right? $10 to enter, so these drafts are happening every day, and the ADP updates every single day. So if you're drafting teams for week six on, this is one of the best non, you know, bias, no bias, no subjectivity look at what rest of season rankings should look like moving forward and just sort of what the trade market should look like moving forward. And this is a good little, you know, view into sort of how the market looks right now. When we look at the top 12 in ADP for the best ball resurrection tournament, it does not look like how it looked in August. You have Saquon at five, you have Mark Andrews at eight, you have Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen getting drafted in the first round. And this updates every single day. So we get a really accurate look at sort of what the trade market and just the rest of season market should look like for the season. Now, I thought it'd be fun that we come out here every week that the contest is out. So it's going to be this week and then next week. And we look at the biggest movers from one weekend to the next weekend and just kind of talk about what has changed, how I feel about that player moving forward. Are they a buyer or a sell? And just kind of highlight players who, if you have them on your team, their trade value has gone up. So if you want to hop on Underdog and you're not already on there, make sure you fix that. Use promo code RON. When you sign up, they will match your deposit all the way up to $100. I'll have a link down below in the description and a link at the top of the comments below where you can click the link. It'll send you there. My promo code is already in and you can hop on there, get some best ball resurrection drafts in, get some of their sort of like DFS style weekly tournaments where they have battle royales, a lot of really, really fun stuff going on on underdog and as soon as this video posts i want to say like 30 minutes like an hour after i'll be going live doing a resurrection draft answering your start sick questions now we're two minutes in we haven't talked about a single player skyrocketing so let's not waste any more time make sure you get on below subscribe leave a like let's go thirsty thirsty trying to choose i mean i know i'm and the first player we'll talk about here is going to be Romeo Dobbs. Now, I want to let you guys know, this is how we're going to be looking at the players, where I show you guys their ADP from last week, right? So Romeo Dobbs' ADP was 145.1. This week, it, already, it went all the way up to 89.2 for a 55.9 change. That is insane. He has skyrocketed five and a half rounds over the last week after putting up eight catches for 73 yards and a touchdown, he had 21.3 points this past week. And if you have him on your team, the price today is not the price it was yesterday. He has been performing well. He finally got a starter share of snaps or of routes, and he looked amazing. When we look at sort of this rookie wide receiver report that I've been putting together every week of the season, you can see he goes from 58% of the routes, then it goes down to 43%, and then it goes up to 94%. And that's because I want to say Sammy Watkins is on IR, uh, Christian Watson wasn't in that game. So he pretty much got a call up and was like, hey kid, go perform. And he went out there and looked amazing. Now, when we look at just these rookie wide receivers, this is every rookie wide receiver this year that has over 10 targets. He is in the 20% plus target per out run 
club and the 70-plus PFF grade club, which is only home to Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Drake London. And considering they were all top 15 NFL picks and Romeo Dobbs is a day three guy out of Nebraska, that is pretty impressive. Now, I also want to say I didn't love him during the dynasty season. I don't think I have him on a single dynasty team. Now, I didn't mind him in redraft season. I actually had him as one of my favorite like late-round wide receivers where I had him up there with like McCole Hardman, KJ Hamler, like all of these last round picks until the buzz sort of hyped up and then end of August he ended up being like a 11th round 12th round pick but we had Jacob Sanderson on and we drafted a team together and he was kind of putting me on to Romeo Dobbs and I definitely overlooked him where he's not he wasn't that bad of a prospect he really wasn't that bad now in my model he came out as a bronze and he didn't look good and in most models he's not going to look good but you kind of have to view these group of five guys, these small school wide receivers through a little bit of a different lens. And you kind of have to give them a little bit more leeway to not have the most like bulletproof profile of all time. Just because there's so much weird stuff going on. Like if you go out there and you are like a three-star recruit at Nevada versus like a five-star at Alabama, there's just different expectations there. It's not as big of a deal if you don't produce early, but if you do produce early, it looks great. And Romeo Dobbs, this is him next to Deontay Johnson, Darnell Mooney, Antonio Brown, just a couple of guys from small schools that have either done well in the NFL or just were strong group of five prospects. And Romeo Dobbs looks good. He had a freshman breakout. He had an okay second year. His third year goes toe-to-toe with Mooney, Brown, Deontay Johnson. And then for whatever reason, a lot of these guys, their senior year, they kind of slump. And I really don't know what that's about. But I think when you look at these small school guys – the biggest thing really is that early career part where you want to see them them break out as like a freshman, have one spike year, and then that's it. Again, we're sort of looking through these small school guys in a different, you know, viewpoint where it's just a different environment. Like again, like a place like Nevada, he had Carson Strong and then I don't know, there's there's spots where there isn't Carson Strong there. There's just these spots are just sort of ran differently than those, you know, SEC schools, Pac-12 schools. You kind of have to sort of sift through the noise when you look at these guys. So we have in Romeo Dobbs a sneaky good prospect who looks promising. He has a good PFF grade. He has a good target per out run, and he's attached to Aaron Rodgers. His only target competition is Alan Lazard at this point. Uh, I guess he has like Christian Watson and Randall Cobb. Really what it's going to come down to is he got that 94% route participation. Will that stick? Did he earn the starting job? That's kind of what you have to monitor. That's really the only thing we're concerned about with Romeo Dobbs. That could go back to like a 70% route participation this week with Christian Watson back with the wide receiver room getting more healthy or because he played so well, they'll keep him at 90% and have him as a starting wide receiver. And if that happens, then it's wheels all the way up. Now he is ranked or he was ranked or he is ranked at wide receiver 43 in the resurrection contest but I could easily see him flirt with like top 36 ish in terms of wide receivers if he stacks up one more week of like a 90% plus route participation or at least that's where I will be moving him in my rankings now the next guy who's skyrocketing up these rankings is Devonta Smith he is moving up from wide receiver 39 to wide receiver 23 in one week He jumped 16 wide receiver spots. He had 31 total spots he climbed here. And we had a coming coming out party for Devonta Smith where he had 
goose egg in week one, 15 points in week two, and then a 30.9 point week this week. Eight catches, 169 yards, a touchdown. He was the wide receiver one overall. He looked so good. He was making catches downfield where Jalen Hurts drops it in the bucket. He catches it over the shoulder. He had like two catches as well where he like mossed guys, like straight up, like jumped up, got vertical, contested catch, making like T. Higgins type grabs, even as this frailer guy. I love his game. It's very clear so far that the size hasn't been an issue at all. He's beating press and reception perception. And when we look at him on the field, he's mossing people. It's insane what he's been doing. Now, I know people were concerned going into the season with the passing game, right? Jalen Hurts, they're going to want to run the ball. Jalen Hurts isn't a great thrower. A.J. Brown's already there. And people might want to sell him high, right? But I think this offense and Devonta Smith being like a top 24 wide receiver is probably here to stay or here to stay where this is an Eagles team that is looking to pass the ball and has a super condensed target distribution. Now, this is a great chart from Sam Hoppin here where it breaks down the target share of the top three pass catchers on each team. So you can kind of see how consolidated the targets are. Like what really grinds my gears with the Jets right now is they throw so many passes to the running backs and they throw so many passes to the tight ends that their top three pass catchers consolidation is so low. They're bottom five. That's what that's what's been hurting Elijah Moore so much is because they're spreading the ball around a ton. But when you look at the Eagles up top, they have the second highest consolidation of targets where AJ Brown has a 33% target share and Devonta Smith still has a 24% target share, which is really, really impressive, which means that they're not wasting targets, which means that Sirianni is not calling plays and wasting targets to Zach Pascal or Quez Watkins. He's making sure that there is no fat left on the bone, no meat left on the bone. He is delegating his targets in a very smart way to AJ Brown, to Devonta Smith, to Dallas Goddard, not doing this. You know, we're going to get people involved. We're going to run weird plays on third down to our no-name guy. Like I saw uh, Kyle Shanahan, like I want to say it was the it was the 49ers versus Broncos game when it was on primetime. He ran like a Jawan Jennings third and nine screen. Like these guys love like, and you'll see McVay, he'll, he'll have like screens for Tyler Higby. And I guess Tyler Higby is a top three pass catcher on that team. So it's not a massive deal, but there are these guys that the coaches love to use in very weird roles and weird situations. And it just screws up the target distribution for fantasy. Now in real life, you can make the case that they're just trying to win football games. They don't really care about this, but for fantasy, we care. And the Eagles have shown so far that they want to consolidate things. And not only are the portions of the pie cut up in a way that we like, the pie is very big. Right now, the Eagles are ninth in pass rate over expectation as well. There's volume to go around. The targets are consolidated. They're rolling. They're playing really well. Sirianni is, you know, coaching out of his mind. Jalen Hurts is playing out of his mind. A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, they're all playing super well. I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this offense regardless. They're going to roll all season long. So I'm just down to hitch my wagon to any of these pass catchers and just have a stake in this passing offense. So that's why I don't really mind Devonta Smith, even if, I mean, maybe he's a sell high man, but he just might be a stud this year and you should probably keep him at this point. Now, the next guy we'll talk about, Chris Olave. He has gone from wide receiver 40 to wide receiver 29 after a 13 target 
nine-catch, 147-yard game. He dropped 23.7 PPR points without a single touchdown. He is actually the wide receiver 24 on the entire season without a single touchdown, which is pretty crazy. As a rookie, he has a 14.6 points per game, 26.4% target share, and not only a 26.4% target share, but a 26.4% target share on a 15.3-yard A dot. So he's not only commanding a ton of targets, he's commanding them downfield. Now, he also has a 70-plus PFF grade, which is really strong. And that's not to mention that he has 14 games to improve on all of this. So the future looks very bright for Chris Olave. It's exciting. Now, I wanted to mess around a little bit where I wanted to see sort of what his trajectory looks like right now. And I'll be honest with you guys. I liked Pickens over him. I like Sky Moore over him in Dynasty. Chris Olave, to this point, has completely made me look like a fool. He looks amazing. He looks like the real deal. I want to say his reception perception data that uh, Matt Harmon's been doing uh, in-season reception perception stuff. It's been amazing. He's saying Chris Olave is separating at an elite level. He looks like the real deal. And, we, and not only just by the box score and by reception perception but when we look at his historical comps here where i throw him into my database and i take his prospect grade which was gold which is which is solid right my my grades are legendary elite there was no legendary in this class we had we had three elite we had Traylon burks garrett wilson uh drake london were elite and then our golds were like a bunch of guys i want to say like scott moore was in there pickens was in there olave was in there and i want to say that was it uh, I want to say Wondell Robinson maybe as well. And I preferred Pickens. I preferred Sky Moore over Olave. And that was for sure wrong. So the way that I came up with this list is he's a gold, right? So we go up one to elite gold, silver. And then I found wide receivers who had similar PFF grades in their rookie year, point per game in their rookie year, which is 14.6. And then a similar target share. And the list here is pretty crazy. Now, of course, there's some stinkers, right? You have Eddie Royal, you have Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk isn't really a stinker, but he's not this like upper echelon, super elite wide receiver. And then Kelvin Benjamin. But he also has guys on here like Cooper Cup, DK Metcalf, Jalen Waddle, Amon Ross St. Brown. He has through three games. Now, again, this is really early. All of these stats are super shaky. Chris Olave could end up with like 11 points per game and a 21% target share. Or he could end up with 16 points per game and a 28% target share, right? The the range of outcomes for these next 13 games are super wide. But I just wanted to sort of, you know, I was curious to see what things would look like this far out. I think it's wheels all the way up for Chris Olave. It's just going to come down to Jameis Winston's health. I think Jameis Winston being so willing to throw the ball downfield is why that 26% target share on a 15-yard A dot is happening. But then also that is super valuable because he's commanding a lot of targets and he's commanding them downfield, which means you're already banking efficiency without being a yak guy, which Olave isn't really a yak guy. Now, the next guy we'll talk about here, Damian Pierce. And he just got complete workhorse treatment. He had 20 carries on Sunday for 80 yards and a touchdown. He had 18.1 points, which brought him up 15 total spots from week three, from RB28 to RB21. And he doesn't look like just some boring plotter. He definitely has some juice where he's seven or he's tied for seventh and missed tackles forced. He's 13th in elusiveness rating right now. And really the biggest thing to watch with Damian Pierce is we know he can be the between the tackles grinder and he can give you Nick Chubb stat lines where he can give you like 15 to 20 carries, 60 to 100 yards, 
maybe a touchdown, and he'll give you somewhere between like nine to like 18 points. Where that ceiling really explodes off the top for Damian Pierce is if he can command the pass catching role. And if we look right now, this is from recept- or this is from a utilization report by Dwayne McFarland. It's a really, really great article every week. And we can see here, Damian Pierce does not even have a slight role in this passing game where he is averaging about a 4% target share, about only 25% of the route participation, and almost no long down and distance or two-minute drill involvement. Again, this is what we want for him to hit that league winner status. But I will say the door is for sure open, right? He's only competing with Rex Burkhead, who isn't some world beater running back. And on his small sample so far, he has been good in the receiving game. Right now, he's 15th in yards per out run in the NFL and 11th in receiving grade among 50 qualifying running backs. And if we go back to his college days, he was never a guy that commanded a ton of volume. The issue was, I guess, like the coaching staff used him in a weird way. There's all kinds of stuff going on there at Florida with Damian Pierce. But among 170 FBS running backs with 100 or more carries last year, he ranked fourth in receiving grade. 10th in yards per out run, and 15th in pass blocking. So those are all really elite numbers. Now, again, he's never been a guy that commanded a ton of volume. He never had more than 20 catches in a season. So we're sort of using really small sample sizes here. But at the very least, we know he's not Ronald Jones, right? He's not a guy who's just a zero in the passing game. There is a chance that he beats out Rex Burkhead. I'm not sure I'd place a bet for that to happen. I'll give it to the Damian Pierce stands out there. It's in the cards. It's in the cards. Maybe he can become a three-down workhorse. We'll see. Something to monitor if he can get a hold of that third-down pass-catching role or even like half of it. He's probably somebody that could become a league winner in 2022. I don't know why we're shaking all over the place. Then we have our last guy here, Tyler Lockett, who has just sort of given you a very Tyler Lockett season this year, where his last four seasons, he's been at 15.1 points per game, 16.6, 14.7, 13.8. And he's right there at 14 this year as the wide receiver 29 with a 26% target share. And he finds himself just steadily moving up the rankings. He moves up a full round tier. And he's just kind of doing normal Tyler Lockett things where he had an 11 target game last week for nine catches, 76 yards. After another 11-target game, nine catches, 107 yards the the week before that, he's just sort of banking very nice stat lines without even scoring a touchdown so far. He's only five wide receiver spots behind Chris Olave. I think it's one of the quieter sort of storylines here that Lockett's been pretty good so far this season. Now, where things really get interesting for the Seahawks, and not just the Seahawks, but Tyler Lockett er, specifically, is... This team's offense, where they're kind of experimenting a little bit. It's very weird that, like, now as Russell Wilson leaves, they're like, oh, you know what? Maybe we should change up the offense a little bit. It's like almost cruel in a way, but I can't complain as somebody that has Metcalf and Lockett in a few places. Now, this is a team that wants to pass the ball. They're 11th in pass rate over expectation, which is really crazy. Now, the biggest thing is, is that wanting to pass the ball more is one thing. The issue with them is they have been a very slow-paced team, and not only a slow-paced team, but a team that gets a lot of three and outs. They're not running a lot of plays. They were dead last last year with 56 plays per game ran. Then they were averaging 48 per game through the first two weeks this season. That is not good. That is eight less plays per game 
than their lowest number from last year. Then last week, they come out running up-tempo. They shocked everyone with a 69-play performance. I know it's like weird to praise them for running plays, but that's massive. If you can get an extra like 20 plays per game with the Seahawks team, everybody benefits from that. Rashad Penny, DK Metcalf, Geno Smith. I'm actually, I hate to say it, but I'm starting Geno Smith in a couple places this week. It's dark times out here in these streets for people that had Trey Lance, people that had Dak Prescott. It is not fun. Um, but like I said, this passing offense is getting more interesting. Definitely something to monitor because, again, we have a full season or we have a we have a full career of Pete Carroll wanting to run slow, a prehistoric offense running the ball, and then we have a two game sample of them wanting to do that again this season, and then we just have a one game sample of them wanting to change things up. Now they did also lose last week, so there's a chance. Okay, we tried it, we lost, we're back to the old way. So that's all in the cards. It's just something to keep an eye on, something to monitor, and see. If the Seahawks change anything up, if they go out there, run more plays, because they do run more plays than Tyler Lockett, Metcalf, Penny, maybe not Penny, but Metcalf and Lockett probably at the very least are like washes at ADP, possibly pay off. Now that's going to do it for us today. Again, if you're out there and you're not an underdog, you're not running up these best ball resurrection tournament drafts, make sure you hop on there, use promo code Ron when you do, they will match your deposit all the way up to $100. You deposit 25 they'll match 25 and then boom you hop into five best ball resurrection drafts now as i said i'm going to post this video it's what 5 p.m here i'll get it posted and then i should be streaming by 6 p.m eastern i'll be doing a draft i'll be answering start sick questions so make sure you come in hang out with the boy say what's up as always if you made it this far i appreciate you thank you for watching and as always make sure you down below subscribe leave a like and i will see you guys in the next one I got the juice, I got the juice Channel, Chatham's on Foolies, glad I'm on Even my haters kinda glad I'm on Rest in peace to my bag of on Rapper, song, singer Suspended subpoena from misdemeanor